Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Recorded live from the lobby of the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C., I'm almost ready. Hold on, wait. <laughs> I'm almost ready. Wait, I'm gonna just. I have to pull it out. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. I'm almost ready. I'm almost ready. Sorry. Alexi's like, when can I turn off this music? <laughs> We're just gonna jam. We're just gonna. Episode. It's now a jam session. This podcast has turned into a beatbox jam session. <laughs> Of us just ad-libbing to music that was already created for someone else. <laughs> so true. So true. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to the Beauty Archeo, your fashion history comedy podcast. I'm your host, Professor Noir, with... Mix Monday. Mix Monday. We are broadcasting live from the Line Hotel on Full Service Radio. And it's Friday. Yeah, it is. It's Friday. T-G-I-F. I wish, I mean, thank God it is Friday. I always love Fridays. I always look forward to doing this show. Me too. Yeah, you know, always look forward to seeing you Monday. Ditto. Ditto. You Yay. know, <laughs> ditto to your ditto. Samesies. <laughs> La meme shows. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> There's a lot of French people that just cringe. They're like, don't what? do that to us again. You don't Don't do that. Oh my gosh. What's happened? How was your week? My week has been exhausting and amazing. Because you because are. Because I have been working like crazy with my new band to get ready to headline Black Cat tomorrow night. The meow. Meow. The big meow. Yes. I'm so excited. I've actually always wanted to play that stage with my band. Like, I've sung on that stage a few times uh-huh. with other people, but yeah. I've never headlined with my music, my band. Do you play the guitar with your teeth? It's <laughs> so random. It'd be so hot if I did. You're they like, no. use their tongue, not their teeth. Yeah, you're like, no, I don't that do that. <laughs> like, no, I just dance around and sing and stuff. You do sing. You do sing. Oh, how many songs are you gonna do? Um, at least six. At least like seventeen. Yeah, I know, right? Probably like seventeen. <laughs> Seven hundred. At least like it's at an least all a, night. An entire opus, if you will. Yes, my rock opera. <laughs> Your rock. <laughs> Everyone, you are no, shut the doors. Lock the doors. You're in for a rock opera. <laughs> You can't leave. You can't leave. Pull a fucking this is an day eight move. hour rock opera. <laughs> I hope you brought your PJs and your adult diapers. Just like the Who. No yeah. one's leaving. No. <laughs> People get out of the news and say they're like, "What happened?" Be like, "I don't know." She just closed the doors. We were stuck there. And we went through an entire four opus. <laughs> I'm just really into saying the word opus right now. Opus. I'm also really fucked up right now because this chair situation is fucking Dude, me up. Dude, it is fucking me up I in a like good it. way. I don't I like am it. Here for we switched it. chairs, everyone. Well, the chairs were switched on us. Uh, and now I know why pussy always looks so comfortable yeah. and relaxed, and why I'm always like shifting in my chair and like trying to find I'm, a comfortable way I'm to sit. Sitting on in the hard chair. Side and I'm of my switching. Ass. I'm getting that chair on the break. This is a game changer, this, this is a, chair. I know, and I don't like the game it's playing. <laughs> well, I feel great. I'm glad you feel great, <laughs> you and your bum. Yes. <laughs> my ass is relieved. Oh my gosh. Well, I, um, I think this chair is uncomfortable because I was out all night. 
last Girl, night. Girl, yeah. Okay, so we both had a night last night. We did. I need some of this water. Oh. Yes, hydrate. <laughs> we both need to hydrate. I mean, I was rocking, doing my band practice, but you know, band practice is always kind of a party as well. It so. is. Oh, well, I well, speaking of music, I went to the 930 Club. Oh, cute. Um, Sam mm-hmm. O'Hara, he got on the list, but on the list by King Princess. Nice. Like, by King Princess. They were like, yeah, just come to my show. Cool. So we had VIP passes. Cute. Sat in VIP, which is a great little balcony. It is, yeah. I didn't realize what that was. That's my favorite way to see shows there. Yeah. Um, VIP out away, baby. Yeah. And, like, had a great time. We met King Princess and the band. Like, the whole entire crew. It's a very queer operation. Fuck yeah. They're very queer. They're very, like, dead to rights, like, super queer. It was really amazing to see. Love it. I was I was very fascinated. They're really... Uh, King Princess is very young. Uh-huh. Um, but, like, so much power. So much oomph on stage. Actually reminded me of you on stage a oh, lot. Oh, really? Yeah. A lot of it reminded me of you on stage. It was a really great show. Awesome. Really great show. They had this, like, hands like sculpture around like a mirror kind of situation. Oh, I love a good set. But it was like giant hands, like huge, like cool. six foot, seven foot hands. They were huge. Like I just said before. <laughs> were they huge? They were huge. Uh, <laughs> and um, beautiful, very soft hands. Oh. Very soft, delicate I'm like making poses. Yes, you could be a hand model. I I cannot be a hand model. Not with these crones. (laughs) (laughs) These hands have seen some tarot card readings, okay? Oh, girl. We've seen some scrying, so... (laughs) The scrying game. Oh, my God. New movie. Um, That is coined here on this show. If anyone tries to take it, we're going to beat you the fuck up. (laughs) But we are now writing a movie called The Scrying Game. I don't know what it's going to be about, but it's going to be good. Yeah, it is. It's going to be good. There's going to be a lot of scrying. If you don't know what scrying is, a form of dividend. Oh my god! Yes. What the fuck? Come in! Oh fabulosity, my god! Fabulosity. No, use the other door. Oh my god! Something really fabulous is happening. I'm sorry. Is yes, this okay? Is it okay? Course. Okay. Hi, friends. Hey, Welcome. friends. So, like, two of my friends just walked by. How? Oh my god! I'm on my. You're live right now on the yes. air. Just so you know, this is my podcast, the Booty Archeo. And I saw How you walk you? in, and I was like. Oh my gosh, the fabulousness. Oh, thank you. I also want to refer to you by your Instagram names because you both have the best Instagram names. Is it still Kiwi Fag? Kiwi Fag. Kiwi Fag and then Gay Dandruff, which is the best name Amazing. ever. Uh, please look them up and follow them. Do you want to sit down for a hot second? Absolutely. Do you want to sit down? Can we? Is it okay? Alexia, I'm just like, is this okay? Alexia, she's like, yeah. Just put on the headphones. I'm kind of amazed we've never done this before. I know. We just had like random guests on. You see fabulous people walk by like, bitch, get in here. Get on this podcast. This is so fun. Can you hear yourselves a little bit? Yes. What is this podcast? Yeah. Okay. So put the microphone up to your mouth, Kiwi. Once you get the, (laughs) just pull on the, you got to pull them up. So yes, kids, welcome to the Beauty Archaeologist. It is a fashion history comedy podcast. Yes, and you both love fashion. And you both yes. look fabulous. <laughs> so nervous. Don't be nervous. Don't be nervous. Like the most non like nervous person over here. You got the microphone. Bundy, help help them. Help I them. I don't know how. You got it. You got it? Are you there? Are you there? Hold on one moment. You talk. I'm here. Okay. 
I'm talking. Tell I'm going to describe what? what these fabulous people are wearing because they walked in and I was just like, ah, red and black houndstooth blazer, beautiful handbag. Yes. Is that a camera you. in your hand as yes, well? Oh, nice like retro camera. Yes, Love yes. It. I know. Like this is this Thank is you. gorgeous. So here for it. And um, I'm jealous of you because you look warm. Yes. I am. I've got Hold the, on. What is this? And I did not dress appropriately. Is this like today. a purple is that shearling? Purple fur? It's a real, yeah, I had to murder a purple rabbit for it. Oh, oh my, my god. <laughs> Mr. Gay Dandruff over here. I'm still gonna call you that for the rest of my life because it's the best name ever. Thank you. Um it's wearing a puffer coat, like just like kind of like ashy black puffer coat i love it it's very worn in it's very sexy but with this like it's not shade but with a purple <laughs> rabbit fur vest i'm living and, I, and, and dare i say the same purple as dolores van Cartier's mink coat in sister act yes exactly very reminiscent of that what is this bag kiwi a purple mink oh my god what is that Oh, that's the goatier. Ooh. Ooh, it's like metal and yes. leather and like heaviness and just money. It is quite heavy. It is. It's a, no, like that's the kind of bag, like if anyone tries to rob you, like. You beat I, them with I, it. I, yeah, I, I feel bad. Like, you can't run past 10 miles per hour with this. No, like I feel bad for them. <laughs> just weighed down by the bag. But weighed down by fashion. Now, since you're on this show, because we're going to go to break like relatively soon, but since you're on for right now, and I'll let you go and like enjoy the rest of your day, but I've, we've obviously... <laughs> we've kidnapped We've kidnapped you and, and pulled you into the traveling nerd's nerve center at this point. Yes. It has its own gravitational pull. Um, <laughs> I want you to describe your style, because both of you are two people with amazing style. You have very distinct style. Um, so, you. So, I... My real name is Drew. Um, but it's still gay dandruff always in my life. Yes, that's my spirit name. Um, I just got back last week from a year living in South Africa. Um, in wow. Yeah, not the like fun gay part of South Africa, but like the white nationalist wow. Nebraska part. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's the not cute part either. Because yes, they're great. pissed. Yes, they're, they're, they're pissed. So all my students were, were black students from the township. But the class after the class I was teaching was Landbau, which is like um, agricultural sciences, which is all white, all boys. And one day I was at this bar and I was just like talking to this guy. I'm like, oh, I teach at the university. He's like, oh, I know. I've heard about the lecturer with an earring. Yeah. Whoa. Like, Whoa. My reputation precedes me. So there wow. I was not able to live up to my fashion standards, unfortunately. My day to day there was just exhausted (laughs) and trying not to get murdered yeah that's real (laughs) but you you know it is real very much so about that comment is that or that entire story is that you know we do this podcast we talk about fashion we talk about history through the context but the thing is I hope what people understand is that what you wear can cause full political upheaval you know Mm -hmm. like people can freak out by just the the you know the millimeter of a hem, you know what mm-hmm. I mean. Like an inch makes a difference in many ways. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But it, you know, just a simple something is a simple earring. You know, it probably even wasn't like an incredibly huge earring. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's that like a fucking stud. Yeah, that like a stud. Like that makes a difference in terms of how people view you, how they view themselves, how they view their place in your world, and what mm-hmm. kind of world they think you're now creating and taking over. It's it's yeah yeah and the crazy thing about it is like the like obviously i sort of understood that these feminine gender markers would sort of put me at loggerheads with this dominant super masculine super white culture Mm -hmm. but it's always interesting to see what parts they consolidate under the masculine ideal that we would think are ridiculous or silly 
like with them, rugby is really huge there. So yes. all the guys day in, day out to the gym, to class, in the snow are wearing like two inch inseam rugby shorts. Wow. wow. Like, you can see they've got the, the gams for days. Yes. Oh, yeah. And they're these like, these like super like macho guys. Yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah, like if I saw a gay person, I'd like beat him up. And meanwhile, like his balls are hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> like, meanwhile, it's just like you literally have never seen gay porn, sir, because yeah. you are it. Like, yeah, this was the first scene and the last scene. Yeah. Like, I I just want to let you know if you think you don't look gay, you do. Like, <laughs> but then it's usually those with like like uh, shower shoe flip flops, so you you know they're not actually gay. <laughs> um, still in the porn. Look at the shoes. Look at the shoes. Sketchy sex. Look at the shoes. Amazing. All right, you, my dear, tell me about your style. Uh, cohesive. I like to think of it as cohesive, no matter what, which uh, direction I go with it. Yes. Uh, I, I think like you can't just wear a bunch of pieces that are not friends. Right. Mm. Yeah. You're you're the stickiest person I know. <laughs> you do like to glue things on. You do like wow. to glue things on, Miss Kiwi. Yes. I I am I'm known for abusing prosaic. Yes. Also, like your look last night of this this like wide. What kind, I can't remember what kind of uh, neck that is. Uh, it's a. Sh- it's like it's a wide a, shawl an archi- neck. Archi- it's an architectural... Um, like shawl neck, I guess. Yeah. Like off-the-shoulder yeah. shawl neck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like uh, uh, th- I believe that's um, spring-summer 2003 Gautier. Ooh. Archived. Yeah. <laughs> Clocks, bitches. Mm-hmm. It was we beautiful. all raised an eyebrow. I know. Mm-hmm. I know. Like, the, an exhale just came about the room. <laughs> it was this beautiful white blouse, and then your hair was, like, pulled back, but in, like... Curly, like ringlet tendrils. I was just like, "You're giving me Gone with the Wind," and I don't think you meant to do that. But I'm really feeling a Gone with the Wind fantasy <laughs> with you, and I'm really into this. I'll gladly take it. You know, oh. like I really, I mean, maybe that's something you should try out one day. Just like a kind of like a get a, Gone with the Wind. Maybe not Gone with the Wind, but more <laughs> gay like Gay with the Wind. Yeah, gay like with Gay the with the Wind. Ooh, do like a full Gay with the Wind weekend. <laughs> like no, you know, no slavery, but still like. <laughs> Harnesses still, though. Harnesses will yes, be please, there, thank though. Thank you, yes. Oh, my gosh. Well, we're going to take a break. I just want to thank you both so much for just thank you. L- thank letting you me for letting us in. take you hostage and ca- dropping <laughs> in. Highlight of my day. Yay. Like, this we is absolutely amazing. <laughs> please follow both of them listeners on Instagram because they really are both amazing people. Um, Gay Dan Jeff Drew, I'm going to tell you your real name this time, but you do really great work. And... You're just fabulous. Oh my gosh. You just, you really are fabulous. It's really, I'm very happy to see you back. Thank you. Um, and then Kiwi is always leading the troops. Like, <laughs> literally, like there's always an army behind you going somewhere, whether it's in DC or New York. And you just really are just a spirit and a half. You really are. So, Yay. thank you both. Thanks for having us. You're welcome. Have a good rest of your day. We're going to take a break, everyone, on the BDRKO, your fashion history comedy podcast. And we'll be back with the story of Lucy Lady Duff Gordon. Mm-hmm. Bye. <laughs>
listening to the Beauty Archeo on Full Service Radio. We'll be right back. <laughs> and we're back. That was adorable. That they was so much fun. And so sweet. Yeah. Aww. I love this show. <laughs> I was like looking at Lexi. I was like, is this okay? Is, is this okay? okay? Can we this do this? Happening. This is happening right now. Like, I no, this is it's fun when like you see really cool friends. Yeah, no, this and, is officially a thing we should do. Call yeah. cutie pies in here. Yeah, like not all the time. I can't no, be having anybody up in the here. Time. These ragamuffins up in here. Especially fabulous. I also just wanted to use the term ragamuffins. <laughs> Because I'm an old black woman. Oh, my God. <laughs> Ragamuffin. With the flim flam. <laughs> we were on that kick way too much the last you. week. All right. So we are back. This is the Beauty Archeo. Oh, my God. I almost just snarked. I just remembered the flim flam diary. Oh, my yeah. God. That we were having a lot of moments with that one. Um, we are back. This is the Beauty Archeo, your fashion history comedy podcast. I am your host, Professor Noir, with Mix Monday. With Mix Monday, I just saw these shoes you're wearing. Aren't here. these amazing? Can we talk about them for a second? Please? Just for a second, because we have like a full show. <laughs> we can't miss this story. But these are Michael Kors sock sneaker shoes. Yeah, they literally look like, a, like socks. Yeah, with like a little bit of a wedge. They're, mo- they're the most comfortable thing ever. That's amazing. They're the most comfortable thing ever. And they're black, which, you know, I, I don't own a black sneaker, and this is the only black sneaker I've ever owned. Yeah. They're fabulous. I'm, I'm so happy. I know. I'm very sporty today. Me too. I, I got my red yeah. Reebok You got your on. red Reeboks. I'm wearing like a sweatshirt and I jeans. I noticed that. I'm, real, I'm a lot of trade right now. I'm giving a lot of trade. Not you know really, what? but... <laughs> I'm here for it. Because I can be considered trade. <laughs> <laughs> You got jokes today. I know. <laughs> well, you are here with the episode. Get out your pads and pens and pieces of paper and parchment. Education children. Education children. Yes. For the story of before Victoria's Secret, there was Lucille or Lucy Lady Duff Gordon. She is considered the first British-based fashion designer to achieve, to achieve international acclaim. Um, she was widely known for her innovation in couture styles. Um, at this time, we're talking about the late 1800s, so I would say like the 1880s, 1890s. So couture and what, what we know of like as modern day couture really started to develop even more. So back in France in the 16, late 1600s with Louis XIV, Louis he established the couture, French couture, like, industry. So, you know, like, your dress would go to a certain fabricator, and then that person would go take it to a person to have it actually put together. Mm-hmm. And then the um, decoration and the embroidery and the beatings happen at another place and so on and so forth. And you have all these different people making one garment. Right. So this was still happening, but it was becoming even more popular with the rise of the Second Industrial Revolution, um, a lot of and a lot of people becoming extremely wealthy from not every from you know American tycoons making a lot of money on railroads, banking, you know, um, coal, things like that, to um, royal families um, developing 
at this time they're empires. This is the this is the empirical period. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of a royal families developing their empires, becoming very wealthy off of that. Where for a long time, you know, especially for royalty, it was about the conquering of land that would develop your wealth. But now it's about commerce and how do you utilize that land? And what money is that land really bringing out even more so? Right, like that's now like the thing on the table. Mm -hmm. So with the rise of people wanting to make more money, you having people wanting to spend more money. And so you have a lot more fashion designers, like specifically fashion designers making garments for clients and not just royalty or a dressmaker for someone who's royal or something like that. But like these clients who are just regular people who are very wealthy, who can afford the clothes. Right. And Lucille Lee Duff Gordon was one of them. Yes. Yes, she was. Yes, she was. So... Her early life, she was born to Douglas Sutherland, who was a civil engineer, and her Anglo-French-Canadian mother, uh, Eleanor Saunders. And she was originally born Lucy Christiana Sutherland. She was born in London, England, raised in Gulf, Ontario. I don't know if I said that right, but it's (laughs) G-U-E-L-P-H. That could be anything. Mm -hmm. Um, Ontario, Canada. She was raised in Ontario, Canada. Fuck it. (laughs) Canada. Canada. Um, And she was raised in Ontario. She moved to Ontario after her father died of typhoid fever. Yes. Her mother then remarried in 1871 um, to a bachelor named David Kennedy. Um, He actually died in 1889. And then Lucy moved um, with her sister and her mother um, and with the future novelist, Eleanor Glenn, um, to St. Helier on the Isle of Jersey, so back in England. Um, I assume so, back in England. Yes, Jersey. Yes. Because um, I did not look it up. I meant to make a note about that, but I did not do that. <laughs> <laughs> meant I, like, to make a note. I did. I like put a lot of things in red, so I was like, I meant to, like, this is the note that I need to make sure I write. <laughs> um, <laughs> history's hard, you guys. History's um, hard. So then after that, like, during this time of adolescence, um, Lucy developed a love of fashion. She, like, loved to dress up her dolls and make, like, dresses for them. Kind of like how any, like, I mean, I know my love of fashion came with me making costumes for my fucking, like, Batman and, like, all my, like, superhero action figures. I was like, you need a new costume. <laughs> like, yeah, like, I, that's, like, I mean, I had a very wild imagination, so I totally feel her. Um, she starts studying, like, gowns in the paintings, in family paintings, and then later she started making clothes for herself and for Eleanor, her mother. Um... Returning to Jersey um, after a visit with relatives in England in 1875, she really started to explore this aspect of herself. And that's when we really see it like take off. Mm-hmm. Um, Lucy and her mother in that same year also survived a shipwreck that ran aground. Yeah, damn. Yeah, no stopping them bitches. Mm-hmm. Damn, so she was in a couple shipwrecks. Yeah. Whoa. Well, this is the first one. Yeah. <laughs> That's wild. Sorry. <laughs> Let me not like move oh forward. God. I know, but, but I not, thought like, spoil the just, ending of the story. But like, damn, it. that bitch has been through some so bad she, sea travel. Yeah, she should really stay off boats. She should stay yeah. on land. <laughs> damn. Sorry. Because <laughs> like luck. when you said it, it just hit me, and then all the things like I just I started lined up. I was like, she really should stay on land. Like, like damn. Take a train, Lucy. God, girl. Uh, take a donkey. Like, choose a continent. Choose and stay a continent. There. And stay there. 
<laughs> All right. So in 1884, Lucy married for the first time. She married James Stuart Wallace, um, and she had a child, Esme. Um, she was I born. Love that name. I know Esme's a great name. It is a great name. She was born in 1885, and she died in 1973. So she had a pretty long life. Yeah, I mean, like you. Oh, look, if you were born in 1885, you'd born 19, and you died in 1973. You've seen some shit. Damn, like, can you imagine? She survived some shit. Here's Holy to you, Esme. Shit. Here's to you. Um, later, she became the wife to Second Earl of Halsbury and mother to Anthony, the Third Earl of Halsbury. Is that Cosmo? No, she didn't marry Cosmo yet. Not yet. Not yet. Okay, not yet. Right. We're almost there. We're almost there. We're almost there. <laughs> is that is that Cosmo? <laughs> <laughs> I just my. love that name so much. Is that Cosmo? Is that when she married Cosmo? No, not yet. Not yet. Okay. And then, um, and Wallace, <laughs> sadly, was an alcoholic. Um, and regularly unfaithful, Lucy sought, like, cons- she sought consolation in other men, basically. So, like, they were, I don't say, they probably honestly had an open relationship, mm. I would say, because looking at her later in life and like what she does with her life already I would say like and then also too like I think about her mother becoming an, an author like a famous novelist you know what mm. I mean she comes a pretty successful novelist while Lucy's growing up she's seeing more of an independent spirit of a woman mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> also like thinking about someone especially like your mother being a novelist like you have so much knowledge at your fingertips so you're also learning and building and learning other things that are not just the standard roles of a woman in, Vict- in Victorian England, basically. Right. Where, like, back then, you really had no fucking rights. Yeah. You know, this is well before, suffer- you know, the suffragettes. So this is, mm-hmm. like, you really had no rights. So I can imagine, probably, I would not be surprised. And this is, like, you're getting into, like, the Belle Epoque, you know, the Gilded Age, mm-hmm. the late, like, the 1890s. I can see them having an open relationship. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they have the money to do so, as well. Like aristocracy at that time had completely different rules from the working class and from yeah. the bourgeoisie and from the middle class. That's like, true. You know, they did indulge in affairs quite often. That was a thing. It was that, like normal. <laughs> it was normal. It was part of the culture. Mm-hmm. So um, with that, she had a long relationship with this surgeon, Sir Morrill Mackenzie. And then the Wallaces separated around 1890. And Lucy started divorce proceedings around 1893. And then in 1900, Lucy Sutherland Wallace, damn, Married Scottish baronet, landowner, and sportsman, your favorite. Yes. You know him. You've been waiting for it. <laughs> Sir Cosmo Duff Gordon. Yes. <laughs> Sir Cosmo. Is that Cosmo? He was a sportsman. He was. <laughs> yeah. I now want us to do like a little period short of we, uh, like us at like the races or something in long shop. And then you just turn around like, is that Cosmo? <laughs> Cosmo. Oh my god, that's stuck in my head for the rest of this episode now. <laughs> hashtag is that Cosmo. This, that's the new hashtag for the day. <coughs> Sir Cosmo. So after so with her marriage to Sir Cosmo, this is when we see Lucy really explode. And since you love him so much, let's let's hear some of your thoughts on Cosmo Monday. <laughs> I mean, the extent but, of my thoughts on him is that he was a fabulous sportsman with a fabulous name. <laughs> it's, it's, well, I mean, honestly, the that's the thing. It's like his. 
it's it's interesting because in this research that we we're doing um, and that we did, we did. I did not personally. And I don't know if you did. I did not see a lot on him specifically. That's what I'm saying. Like you know I actually I mean? didn't find too much. Yeah, out there about wasn't him. a lot on him. So it really goes to show you how influential she was. But he seemed to be, you know, unlike her other relationships, really like supportive of her and helped I, her really discover herself. And I what think she wanted to do. Yeah, I think that's the thing that separated him from the rest, and that's mm-hmm. why he stayed around. And like they were like partners in crime. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they were lo- little bougie poodles together. <laughs> Because she lives a fabulous life because of this. In order to support herself and her daughter after the end of her first marriage, Lucy Duff Gordon began working as a dressmaker from home. And then in 1893, she opened Maison Lucille at 24 Old Burlington Street in the heart of the fashionable West End of London. Yes. And having pretty much worked there for a year previously, um, having worked in her mother's flat previously, like this was a big step for her to like open this spot. So now she has become a business owner in 1893. That's a huge deal. We're also seeing, again, this is the groundwork laying of the fashion industry as we know it today, Mm -hmm. where people are opening up houses to create clothes for the public, not just for royalty, not just, you know, all these designers trying to clamor for one single client. They're creating clients now. They're giving people something to to want and to desire, which I think is really interesting. Like, Labels. We, t- we, d- we take for granted the roots of how of what we have now. Totally. But, like, imagine for the first time if you were a person of means, like you were a merchant, you owned, you know, some kind of, like, food shop or something or food... Uh, distribution something because mm-hmm. that was I mean that's a that's a huge thing food distribution is a huge thing so you know you own some kind of company like that you don't come from aristocracy you don't come from landowning family but you've made a lot of money right and you aren't part of the aristocracy so you don't necessarily have the same social calendar mm-hmm. and you know hobbies and dalliances as those other people are those things have to now be created and in terms of also not necessarily having as much money but having a lot of money where does that fall into? And things like retail, that's a huge deal at the time. I mean, like or, um, Selfridges is a huge example of that. It's like one of the best examples. It gave yeah. women, wealthy women in the home, a place to go to during the day because mm-hmm. they never got to leave the home any other time. Right. So, excuse me, it's getting cold in D.C., so I have a little sniffles. I'm sad about it. I am. So in 1897, Lucy Duff Gordon opened up a larger shop on 17 Hanover Square in Westminster. Yeah. And then further, then, before then, or after that, um, she moved to 14 George Street in Oxford in 1903. In 1903, the business was then incorporated into Lucille LTD. And the following year, next... In the following year, at 23 Hanover Square, where it operated for, for the next... And then moved to 23 Hanover Square, where it operated for the next 20 years. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, with all these moves and, like, with all this, what was Lucy creating? Like, what made her so famous? Right. Why is this episode called Before Victoria's Secret? Lucille Lady Duff Gordon was the creator of lingerie. Yes. As we know it today. Mm-hmm. Before that, before that, when you had corsets and underpinnings for women's dresses and their kind of undergarments, um, depending on what it was for, most of the time it was for a wedding, your corset was beautifully decorated with embroidery and right. silk and things like that. Um, 
for your wedding night, that was like the one time you had that kind of experience uh-huh. of beautiful underwear and garments under your clothes. Right. Other times you had, you know, functional, beautifully made um, pieces under your clothes to keep your, to keep the structure and everything like that. Um, she created what we now know as lingerie, where these are pieces that you wear around the house. Right. Gorgeous, soft, you know, contouring to the body, mm-hmm. decorating the body in a way that's very angelic and yes. very elegant. Mm-hmm. Um, she created what is basically the negligee and the tea gown. Right. The tea gown is a gown worn during the day in the home amongst your closest friends for what? Tea. Right. Tea was hanging out, basically. Mm-hmm. Spilling the tea. Mm-hmm. Which is what you did. You spilled the tea. That's exactly you right. You know, you're throwing shade, spilling tea. Sip, sip. Sip, sip. Spill that tea. Spill that tea. Mm-hmm. And honestly, women, I would say not every rich woman had like a Lady Duff Gordon tea gown. Because tea gowns did vary. You know what I mean? Tea gowns... Um, were sometimes a little bit heavier, darker, things like that. Hers were, again, like that very transparent chiffons, very lightweight silks, lace, things like that. Mm-hmm. So it really was something that was like very t- tongue-in-cheek intimate to a certain degree. Um, and then you have the negligee. And a lot of times we think of negligees now as a nightgown. It's not a nightgown. Right. A negligee is a dress like the tea gown, but is worn at night at dinner at an intimate dinner amongst friends. Yes. So instead of necessarily where you had in these households where you had a formal household where you had where you dressed for dinner, full black tie to entertain guests, royalty, statespeople, anyone. If you wore a negligee, that was a dinner, say, with like you and like your closest friend and their wife. And mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. So like. That's when you would wear a negligee. Or it'd be an intimate dinner between you and your husband. Yes. Exactly. Even more so that. And they would often have a matching robe. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, and so with that, Lucille A. Duff Gordon also created something that Charles Worth is also someone that... Charles Worth is very famous fashion designer. He is known as the father of, of modern haute couture. Um, I would say that he uh, he is more famous in terms of I think clientele, mm-hmm. but Lucy Lucy Duff Gordon is more famous in terms of actual just fame and notoriety and glamour and appeal mm-hmm. and innovation. Right, exactly. Um, she really pushed women's I- ideas of their own sexuality um, on women to actually analyze. Yeah. With these kinds of clothes. Um, as opposed to, um, I feel like Charles Worth really pushed the regality of women. How regal can a woman be? Which is still just as great. And it, like he pushes that power aspect um, in a very independent strength, but in a different way. Yeah, and with Lucy, it's more free and about that you know, comfort. And with him, it was bound. Bound. And it was structure. And it was, yeah. A lot of scaffolding, as I like to call it, a lot <laughs> yeah, of architecture. Truly, um, but Lucille Duff Gordon actually created the fashion show, the Mannequin Parade. Yes, the Mannequin Parade. parade. <laughs> yeah, she created the fashion show, like you know, models coming out in a collection. See, the thing is, Charles Worth created the fashion show in the sense that he put women in clothes and paraded them out in front of private clients who look at different pieces. On the models. Right. She created a collection, a cohesive collection, mm-hmm. and presented that to the public. Right. To see at one time. Yeah. For different seasons. So that's what put her 
separate from actually Charles Worth creating the process of a fashion show to her creating literally the mannequin parade. Mm-hmm. Loose. Ooh. And often it would be like a tableau as well, like the the models just hanging out in the clothes. Exactly. As opposed to what we think of now with like the runway and everything. Exactly. So Lucille Duff Gordon's um, clothes, like I said before, were most famous for its lingerie, its tea gowns, and its evening wear. Mm-hmm. It was also luxury, luxuriously layered and draped garments um, in like very soft fabrics blended with pastel colors. So she had a very beautiful like soft color palette quite often. It was very angelic, very like... Um, I would say very reminiscent of skin tone as well of like of um, of flesh that was um, God was I want to say horny but you know what I mean like aroused. So oh, you know how yeah. like the skin, you get a little bit redder and a little bit blushier. That's right, a lot of the that times blush pink. So yeah, I like nudes. saw a really beautiful gown. She did a beautiful tea gown. It was overlaid and embroidered chiffon silk chiffon, mm. and then under that was the most specific shade of blush where it literally looked like you were butt naked under it. Yeah. But it was just a silk underlay and uh-huh. blush. Beautiful. And that was, you know what I mean? Like that's what played on the mind for yes. people. That's what played on the eye, which is so wild to think of. Like, you know, I really hope when you guys listen to this show or when you share with other, your other friends and you have a chance to look at these pieces in your everyday life, you know, take a look at these clothes and really look at, like, the intricate details. My favorite period of clothes is this period. Yes. Not just the set, late 1700s France, which is also my favorite period, but this as well. Because clothes, as beautiful as they were, as decadent as you can possibly think they were, there's so much detail yes. going into it. So much thought. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't just haphazard. No. You know, a lot of these things really revolutionize how people saw themselves every day by just, you know, a millimeter of a hem, like I said before. Yes. And if you think about it, I mean, even just a, a lace trim, which is something people nowadays probably don't really think about, but people were hand making that lace. Exactly. You know, this wasn't a trim you bought at Joanne's. Like, you know, they were hand making the lace. Exactly. I mean. So with that saying, like, Lucille Lathoff Gordon becomes really, really famous internationally. People love her clothes. She has this glamorous lifestyle. Mm -hmm. She has houses everywhere. She especially opens up three houses, fashion houses, under Lucille LTD. She opens one in London. She opens, or in Hanover Square. She then has another one in Chicago and another one in New York by 1911. Amazing. The one I think in Chicago opens up in 1911. I think that's the last one. Uh-huh. So that's a huge deal. This is a singular woman before Chanel, remind you. And Chanel didn't have several houses. Before Chanel opened up several fashion houses under the same company, producing couture. That's amazing. All over the world. That's crazy. And she was traveling quite often. And this is why I said Lucy should have stayed off a boat. Yeah. Because in 1912, <laughs> uh-huh. she was the survivor of a lovely crash that we would like to remember as the titanic oh my god so (laughs) really well i mean i guess her luck was good because she lived yes yeah yeah you know still stay off of the boats girl so in 1912 lucy traveled to america on business in connection with new york with the new york branch lucille ltd she and her husband sir cosmo is that cosmo girl that's cosmo that's cosmo sir cosmo they booked a first class passage on the ocean liner rms titanic under the alias mr and mrs morgan oh um and her secretary laura mabel uh Frankatelli, nicknamed Franks. Oh, okay. love that name, Franks. <laughs> um, actually, in the movie, if you guys remember, in the movie Titanic, the James, the James Cameron film, um, 
um, Kate Winslet is telling Jack when he comes to dinner about all the different dinner guests walking down the steps. Oh, yeah. As they're entering the dining room. And you see Lucille Le Duff Gordon. She says, that's Lucille Le Duff Gordon. She makes lingerie, amongst other things. Oh. And so her character is in the movie a, a couple of times. That's awesome. Yeah, and she's super fucking bougie. I love it. Of course. So on, eight, <laughs> uh, so on, four, on uh, April 14th at 11.40 p.m., the Titanic struck an iceberg and began to sink. During the evacuation, the Duff Gordons and Franks escaped, the li- escaped on lifeboat number one. Although this boat was designed for 40 people, right. it was lowered with only 12 people on board. Seven of them were male crew members. Mm. So, if you also remember in the movie, because they put this detail in, if any of you are big Titanic fans like I am, because I was always a big Titanic nerd, um, that was the biggest, that was the thing about the Titanic. It was a huge deal because it really pushed, it really threw the class structure in everyone's faces around the world when this happened. Yeah. Because so many people died unnecessarily because of the class structure. Right. People in the third class were literally locked under the boats and drowned. Yes. People in the second class clamored for their lives and fought for their lives like animals. Mm-hmm. People in first class were escaping off of boats like a couple, a handful of people at a time. Right. And this is one of them. Mm-hmm. And so what happened? They get on this boat. They get onto the boat first. They get on lifeboat number one, which means that is the first motherfucking boat to leave. Right. And they get on this boat. There's only 12 people on this boat. And they don't go back because at this point, like, you can't go back. Like, the right. ship is sinking. Like, the shit's all fucked up. You don't want to go back to that. Yeah. Um, it is So, one thing happens where Lucy Duff Gordon, as the boat is sinking, says to her maid, girl, that is your beautiful dress going down. That's so sad. <gasps> Yes. And then the crew mem- one of the crew members that's on there who should not have been on there in the first place. Yeah. I don't know why you thought you was right. <laughs> he was just mad about that and basically wanted to tell that bitch to shut the fuck up. Who the fuck do you think you are? Mm-hmm. Like, there are people dying out there. And then Cosmo, as much as we love him, he's a great sportsman. Is that he Cosmo? Al- he also is a survivor. And he's like, I'm going to pay you guys five pounds each, which is the equivalent of 500 pounds in 2018 money. Whoa. I'm going to pay you guys five pounds each to take care of us until we reach land. So the crew that's on this like lifeboat, they are now taking care of the Duff Gordons and Franks, um, went through the Carpathia, which picked up the Titanic survivors, back to New York. When they get back to New York, someone witnesses Cosmo writing checks to the crew members that wow. took care of them. And then it was rumored, and the rumor spread into the papers and into the court case, that they paid off the crew members to, like, get, to bribe them to get on the boat. And that they paid the crew members not to go back for survivors, which yeah. is even worse. Yeah. Yeah. So her reputation is already motherfucking soiled. Yeah. Like, at this point, her reputation is soiled. Actually, there's a really funny thing happened. So in her own testimony, <laughs> there's a quote. It said... Everyone seemed to be rushing for that boat. A few men crowded in. A few men who crowded in were turned back at the were turned back at the point of Captain Smith's revolver, and several of them were felled before order was restored. I recall being pushed towards one of the boats and being helped in. She said. So that's her account of how it happened. Honestly, that's very much so really could have how it happened. Yeah. I'm not, I would not be surprised because it was complete chaos. They had no actual escape plan. No. They got rid of half the boats they actually did need, which only put them at half the boats they had right. for the people. Right. You know what I mean? So they already fucked themselves over because of luxury. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but this is an interesting thing. So this all this is all going down in April. By May 17th, the rumors had completely spread through the United Kingdom. By May 17th, Sir Cosmo Duff Gordon testified at the London hearings of the British Board of Trade inquiry into the disaster. And then on May 20th, Lucy Duff Gordon took the stand. And the couple's testimony attracted the largest crowd during the inquiry. Wow. Yeah. This is, I mean, like, bigger than, like... Isme and like who like survived who was the architect for the Titanic and like jumped into a lifeboat and basically killed himself later because oh of like everything that happened who was like working for White Star Line because they was all fucked up by the way yeah like that you want to talk about a Ponzi scheme girl White Star Line that's the one that mm. is an episode that someone needs to do because that's crazy yeah like that just thinking about the fact that they had that they had Another boat sink, and then the Britannic sink. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, someone needs to look into them. Hello. Um, now they're Carnival Cruises. No, I'm totally joking. That's not Carnival. Carnival, Ooh. you did not hear me say that. <laughs> no. So then, um, <laughs> despite the scandal, this is really interesting, too, in terms of, like, how society took the news. Despite the scandal, which erupted in the press in both America and Britain around the behavior of the Duff Gortons, Linda Moritz insisted on wearing her Lucille dress down the aisle in, Knights, in the Knightsbridge Church only two months after the disaster. She was just like, you know what? Like, she's sketchy and all, but this dress but is this cute. But this dress is fabulous. I paid for this dress. I'm wearing this damn dress. I said what I said. <laughs> Don't you ask me nothing. They're like, you don't want to go with, like, maybe a Chanel? She's like, no. 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 I'm going with my Lucille. Because look at it. It still looks, yeah. She's like, it's still cute. It's still cute. <laughs> Um, nonetheless, one of the last disasters that almost happened was the RMS Lusitania in uh, 1915. Lucy Duff Gordon, Lucy Duff Gordon, had another close call three years after surviving Titanic when she booked passage aboard the final voyage of the RMS Lusitania. <laughs> yes. It was reported in the press that she canceled her trip due to illness, thank God, because the Lusitania sank by German torpedo on May 7, 1915. Whoa. Yes, girl. Stay on land, Lucy. Stay on land, Lucy. Oh, my God. Stay off boats. Wow. Stay off boats. That's wild. However, um, in 1985, Lucy did die. Lady Duff Gordon died of breast cancer complicated by pneumonia in Putney, London, in a nursing home in 1935 at the age of 71. The date of her death, April 20th, was the fourth anniversary of her husband's death. Ooh, she down 420. Oh. You know what? Next year, we're going to light one up for her. Hmm. Let's do that. That's a good idea. Let's light one up for Lucy. Light one up for Lucy. Wear some negligees, girl. <laughs> Oh, oh my God. We should have a Lucy Duff Gordon party for oh 420. Oh my God, we really should. That would be so much fun. That's such a good idea. All right, Lucy, we're doing this for you, girl. For you, We're Lou. doing this for you. Oh my God, that was so much fun. <laughs> Thank you for being here. She's Yay. so She's so glamorous and fabulous. I found some wonderful pictures. We really got to post some more pictures on Instagram Monday. Yeah, we really we do. We got to do that because we have some really fun materials that we found, both of us. Mm-hmm. I know these people want to see it. I know they're yes. juicy for it. So we're going to like post our low lives away for the next like two days. Let's do that. Me and you. Definitely. High yes. five it. And it's so appropriate because I think after this, I'm actually going to go looking for negligees for uh, my conga player to wear. Negligee? Negligee. Negligee. Yes. All right, people. That was, our epi- <laughs> right? that was our episode on the BDRKO. I am your host, Professor Noir with... Mix Monday. Mix Monday. If we- you're around tomorrow night, please come to the Black Cat yes. and check out my band, Monday. Check out, check out their band. Yes. I'm going to be in Baltimore tonight um, performing. 
at a party called Looks, hosted by Baby. Yes, and oh, then, I love Baby. Yeah, and then on Sunday, I'm going to be at Trade for Tens, where they're doing all the music from the 2010s. I'm going to be performing. <laughs> Anna's performing. Someone else is per- Oh, uh, Banana Guns. Yes, Banana Guns performing. Really good. Fabulous. So everyone, um, love your friends, love yourselves. Fashion is life. Fashion is murder. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, kind of, sort of. <laughs> But yeah, we'll be back. Stay warm. Stay warm. Stay warm. <laughs> it is fur season. I like to say use your recycled and vintage furs. Yes. Um, or faux. Or faux. If you're buying faux, buy a little bit because it's still plastic. So we want to save the world. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> Bye. Bye. What is that? I don't know.